All right, welcome back, everybody, for another edition of the Club Cool Podcast. I'm your host, Barrett Dudley, and I am joined on the other line, just across town, as always, by Mr. Phil Battaglia. Phil, what's going on? Hey, Barrett. Good to have you back. Um, Also joining us today, very special guest. We're very excited about today's podcast. It's been a while since we've had a guest on. So all the way from Los Angeles, California, we've got Bilal Khan, the senior editor of A Blog to Watch. What's going on, Bilal? Hey, guys. How's it going? We're doing all right. Uh, Welcome in. Welcome to the clubhouse. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, we're glad to have you. Um, Today, obviously, we are going to talk about watches. We're going to talk about timepieces. This is something that we get lots of requests for. And, um, you know, we, 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 we let the cool kids know that, that we were going to have you on and we got lots of good questions. Um, a lot of people want to know how to buy watches, how to look for vintage ones. Um, what are, what are the best entry level luxury watches? Plus a whole thing, a whole, whole bunch of other, uh, questions about what's in style and what's kind of trending and, um, you know, just kind of like what you're doing over there for a blog to watch. Uh, so it's going to be a good episode. We should have a lot to cover, and uh, I think we can just jump right in. Awesome. So, uh, Bilal, first, how long have you been at a blog to watch? I've been working at a blog to watch for four years now, which is kind of crazy. It's actually closer to five in a few months, which is the longest I've ever done any one thing since college. <laughs> And so, uh, this, what, what were you doing before, um, I was, before a, bl- it, a blog to watch? Yeah, I was in finance, and I was pretty unhappy doing what I did. So I kind of chose to give myself six months, ten months to figure out: can I do something that I love and also make money? I expected it to be no, but this site, a blog to watch, they needed a managing editor at the time. And so I talked to the owner and it turns out that he lived uh, three or four blocks from me here in WeHo. So we connected and I started to write and then I just got more and more into it. And it turned from something that was a hobby and kind of an interest to an all-consuming passion that has now taken hold of, you know, my whole day is just watches, watches, watches. <laughs> yeah, if if you if you're if you're into watches, it's it's. I mean, it sounds like the perfect yeah. job, and I mean, even it just for a hobbyist, it sounds like it's probably a lot of fun for the for the uninitiated. Tell us a little bit about a blog to watch. What do you guys do over there? What's it all about? Uh, a blog to watch has been. I think it was the first watch blog. It started in 2007, which is crazy to think about that it's. 13 years old now. Yeah, yeah. Really kind of um, at, the, at the forefront of the blogosphere, yeah, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we basically are the source for all watch news, hands-on features. Basically, if you want to know what's happening in that world, we are one of the big three or four sources for it. Um, I focus more on the, the product side than industry chatter uh, because I find that far more interesting to talk about the watches as opposed to what some CEO did. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but but we do stay on top of all industry talk as well. Um, we've got something like six or 700,000 people who read per month, which is huge. And it's 
been getting bigger as uh, we're all quarantined and people can't leave their homes. So they're reading more about watches and, you know, just asking more questions and commenting more. So it's been good to be a source of, uh, you know, some fun for people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you mentioned that you're kind of on the product side there. If, if you if you check out the blog, I feel like a lot of what you're doing is reviewing watches, right? Yeah. I personally call them a hands-on review as opposed to like a formal, because I, I'm not like text, like I'm not going to test accuracy or all of that stuff. It's more of a, what's the vibe of this watch? How does it feel? How does it look? How does it handle? How does it wear? That's a huge thing. Um, and any given time, I mean, you, I've got between 20 and 30 watches in my safe and they just keep coming in and out, coming in and out, nonstop packages for me. Um, and I mean, when, you, when you work in something that you love, people tend to kind of start to hate it. And that has not happened to me. So I feel super lucky for that. Um, I've learned so much. Yeah. So one of the one of the questions we got from the uh, from the listeners out there is is what's on your wrist right now? What are you what are you either wearing for personal use or what are you kind of like checking out to to uh, you know to do one of these hands on reviews currently? Right now, I'm wearing the last watch that I purchased, which is okay. my Grand Seiko uh, SBGA four one three. It's a catchy name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's technical, baby. It's a, it's, a beautiful, it's a beautiful watch. The Grand Seiko is is one that I'm really only familiar with uh, within the last year, maybe year and a half. Grand Seiko has been one of the most interesting stories to follow because up until 2017, they went by just Seiko and Americans could not understand that. They're like, why are you paying six grand for just a Seiko? Right. But right. in 2017, they changed their whole branding and now it, it's to Grand Seiko and it's in the top 10 brands in the country now in two years. It's been so, a while. Uh, we'll we'll yeah. just kind of divert on a quick aside here. But Seiko and Grand Seiko, are they the mm-hmm. same co- Are they the same company? Owned by Seiko, yeah. Okay. Uh, Grand Seiko is the high-end arm of it. So gotcha. it's like a Lexus and a Toyota. But say for 20 years, it was a Grand Toyota. Americans would not understand that. Yeah, right? like, yeah. It's just like, wait, wait, wait. But it's just, it's still a Toyota. Yeah, it kind of boiled down to the to the marketing of the product. Really. Yeah, yeah. But so when they Grand when State they changed their name, did they go up in price across the board, or is it just not really? The no, they just started to market in the states more. Before 2017, they just never even sold in the states. There was one place in the whole country where you could actually buy them. Now there's a boutique here in Los Angeles. There's one in Texas, I think in Plano. <laughs> uh, and there's a bunch on the East Coast as well. But before then, they just never even tried because they assumed Americans were not going to understand the whole like, it's a Seiko, but it costs as much as a Omega. Right. But Americans right. have really gotten into it. Um, you, you mentioned uh, blog to watches very large uh, readership. One of the things that I was curious about, you know, you, you mentioned seven, eight hundred thousand people kind of checking in on the site. Do you feel like 
is most of that readership or, or most of the people paying attention, are they collectors or are they kind of, um, you know, beginner hobbyists or are they people that just like to read about watches and don't necessarily collect at all? Right. It's a big mix. There's a lot of like big c- collectors who read our site and they comment frequently. Um, but we get tons of questions from people who are just like, I, I want to buy a watch. I don't know anything and I'm just starting to get into the hobby. Um, so it's a pretty broad mix of collectors, enthusiasts, and then just, you know, a newcomer. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as far as uh, as these as these uh, the hands on reviews go, are, is this something that the watch brands are kind of like, are they are they are they seeking you guys out? Do they they want the product in your hands? Yeah, um, there's there's two big ways that we see product. The first was I I guess the big shows, SIHH and Basel World, uh, where you know a typical day is seven brands, eight brands, 10 brands that we meet with. We see all their product that we have to shoot, talk about in an hour. It's nuts, but it's so much fun. And I kind of miss it already. Yeah, Um, And that can kind of have content for eight months, really, because we see so many watches. And then, you know, we do talk to brands and they send us their pieces uh, that have just come out or stuff that we particularly do want to see that that we are asking. So, like, for example, like, I got a package from Seiko that Ooh. just has, like, three new watches. I didn't even know what, what was going to be in this box, so it's always kind of fun. And that was actually the small box. <laughs> Look at that. They sent me all oh. their new watches for 2020 <laughs> in a package. They're like, okay, Cover as you see fit is kind of <laughs> okay. how it goes. Yeah, so it's just like there's there's too many watches. That's what that's what happens is you kind of have to pick and choose the stuff that you find compelling and you think is going to be interesting for the people who follow us. Um, and sometimes there is a tension with the brands who are like, can you please j- just talk about this pretty boring watch, but we need some <laughs> press for it. Uh, so it's a healthy mix of product that, you know, is is new and product that the brand would love for us to cover. So it, it's, it sounds like you, you're you getting like so much product, so many watches that you, pro- you probably really never find yourself in a position where you just have to like pan a watch. Just be like, this is not up to snuff. It didn't yeah. live up to the hype, you know? Yeah, it's super rare. <laughs> um, one time it happened that was like a scandal. Not a scandal, but like a big deal was actually at Hodinkee, which is like a fellow watch site. And one of the watches someone got in flooded. Like it got some water in it. And this is, a, it's a dive watch. So that's the problem. That's and not, what that, that's not actually, yeah. And what that actually had led to was the brand doing a recall of these watches. So it actually worked out in favor of everyone. But as far as like panning a watch goes, you know, what can it really be panned for? 
other than a ridiculous like flaw that is probably a issue in that one particular watch as opposed to all 50,000 of them. Yeah. Um, and if it's ugly, then I'm probably just not going to want to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Cause the, the, the prettier, better watches are, are I mean, they just it's make better, better content. Yeah. Because if it's up to you, what would you rather talk about the stuff that you find interesting yeah, exactly. or the stuff that you hate? <laughs> So you've just got, I mean, you sh- you just showed us like two of these big boxes full of Seiko watches that you have. Yeah. Uh, UPS, FedEx, they're just dropping watches off at your doorstep, right? Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's just like, and like in and it, out, in and out. It can be anything from a $1,000 watch to a uh, $200,000 I mean, $200, watch. watch. Yeah, show us the box That's of the Richard Mills. <laughs> they actually do not let us take them home. We we have to go to their PR office. It's just and just like, like run around the, away. the office. I mean, not run around, but yeah, it's, you know, you're playing with them. They don't really care about, like, the funny thing is people who can handle these watches, after t- after two or three days, you completely stop even thinking about how much they yeah. cost. Yeah, Which is probably not good. I think at the Richard Mill PR office, they've got, uh, they've got a tennis court out back mm-hmm. and a, and a little, and a par three golf hole, and you just get to wear it while you're, um, while you're sporting, so you can... So you can really feel how like Rafa and uh, and Bubba yeah. Watson experience those, those guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, so Bilal, <laughs> didn't you say that uh, Odell Beckham that was not a Richard Mill that he was wearing in the game? Yeah, that was a that was like a marketing uh, thing with I think it was MVMT or was it Daniel Wellington, Daniel Wellington? was that yeah. them? Yeah, yeah. So that. That came out pretty quickly as like a whole. That was just, and it it worked, right? Like it's been ten months and we're still talking about it. Right. I I think that worked out for them, but at the same time, it also felt like free press for Richard Mill. Yeah, yeah, but they don't really need it, I guess. I mean, <laughs> it's like an ad for like a Bentley. It's like sure, we'll take the press, but everyone knows what this is. <laughs> yeah, right. So you get these you get these crazy expensive watches sometimes in. Um do you ever just like you ever go flex? Do you ever just hit up the swankiest LA bar that, that yeah. you can find and just put on that seventy five thousand dollar rollie and, and uh and put out a vibe? When I first started, <laughs> I would. Like for the first year I would just like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna fucking go out and like you know <laughs> anytime I go out and see my friends, I'm gonna be like, Yeah, you know, I'm just yeah. casually yeah. wear my arm around and say but <laughs> It's like with all things, after some time, it stops to be novel. Like, like, like now I typically just wear my own personal watches when yeah. I leave my house. Um, I don't want to scratch anyone else's watch, really, that one thing. But it was fun to rock, like, a new $80,000 watch every week for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think you had told us, uh, you know, kind of when we had chatted uh, pre-podcast... I mean, you, you, when you started at a, at a blog to watch, you weren't already like a big watch collect, collecting no. type of guy. You were interested, no. but, but not no. a full on, you know. Yeah. I had one watch that I owned. I owned a Omega Speedmaster that I saved up and bought, but you know, I read the blogs and the forums and I was, mm-hmm. I was like just peaking from like a hobby to like an obsession and having this job just kind of just merged and now it's just taken over my life yeah so five years in i, I kind of i expect that you're probably like 
you know, you're more of a collector, so you're kind of more interested in your own personal the, the what what you've got yeah. in your own kind of personal inventory rather than than the stuff that that yeah. the brands are sending you. Yeah, because it's. I just feel like uh, after a certain point, you want to wear what you what you love, right? And distinguishing between what you love and what you have to cover took some practice. At first, I was just like. I love this because it's so expensive, but <laughs> yeah. that, but that goes away fast, real fast. Like a month in, I was just like, okay, I see what's going on here and like how we're kind of being played into loving some of these <laughs> products that are actually like, you know, it's a $3,000 watch that is a $9,000 watch actually. And you're just gonna I don't want to be a cynical person, but after a certain point, you do realize that a lot of the cost of these watches is arbitrary, mm-hmm. which sure. I suppose is true for sneakers and, you know, accessories and fashion as well. Right, right. Yeah, like we'll talk, you know, a little bit later here, we'll we'll talk about kind of some of the watches that... Um, that I guess you could say like have have hype built around them and are, mm-hmm. are kind of oh, yeah. you know only available on a secondary market, much like yeah. the uh, yeah. the sneakers that we frequently talk about yeah. here on the podcast. Um, before we jump into all that type of other uh, t- excuse me type of other stuff, uh, let's go back to the shows that you were mentioning. Um, mm-hmm. You mentioned Basel World. Was yeah. th- was there some drama that unfolded this past year at Basel? Yes. Um... So for some context, this show has been happening since, I believe, 1920. It's the biggest watch show of the year in Switzerland. A hundred thousand people go. Um, In 2019, the Swatch Group had pulled out because they said trade shows are old fashioned. They cost us millions of dollars to participate in. And we just don't want to be a part of this anymore. That was the first big hit on Basel World. Um, and this year, because of coronavirus, they had to cancel. And they got into some trouble because they wouldn't give brands that, like any of their money back, which ah. is millions and millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And so then LVMH pulled out. They're like, we're done with this. So that's... <laughs> A big chunk of brands. That's that's Hublot, Tag Heuer, Bulgari. They're gone. And then Patek pulled out, which you're dead after that, right? Patek Philippe is, you know, that's right. The that's like the watch brand. And then Tudor and Rolex also pulled out. So now it's like, wait, what brands are actually even left to show at Bobble World? So in a two-year period, you have gone from the iconic watch show, the watch show where all the new watches come out, to a hobbled shell of its former self because of poor management, basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, some breaking news that actually just came into my email today is oh, that they've canceled that 2021 news. they've already so canceled they've it. canceled 2021 so from what i can tell this might be the end of bottle world wow and wow. that is that is really sad to me because i kind of loved it because it was a physical way of like getting everyone in the same place and 
it was fun to see all the watches and the fancy meetings and the fancy parties and all that. And the swag. The <laughs> swag was really just... Uh, I've got so much just really nice crap. You know, just like <laughs> these like AP gloves like from some Italian brand. And just like all these brands. <laughs> Every meeting, you just get like, here's a wallet. Here's a pen. Here's a this. Here's a that. I love that crap. I never use it, but I love it. <laughs> Enough about the swag, though. Uh, but yeah, it looks like the show might be done for after 103, 104 years. Wow. Uh, yeah. Is there anything kind of set to to fill that fill that gap? Would anything kind there of ascend is, in its place? We don't know yet for Bottle World. Um, SIHH is the other big watch show, and they've kind of transformed in to watches and wonders, which I don't like that name, but it is what it is. That's going to still happen. So I have a mm-hmm. feeling a, a lot of the brands that were showing at Basel are going to now, uh, they're not going to join in on this new show and possibly create something else new. I think we're going to see a lot of uh, new trade show concepts come up and hopefully we can get at many brands into one place because I don't want to fly out on a 15 right. hour flight six times a year to, to see these products. Where, yeah. where was Basel world? Where was that trade show in Switzerland? Oh, that the one town of Basel. Mm-hmm. It's in the town of Basel, mm-hmm. in Switzerland, which you fly in to Zurich and then you take a two hour train to Basel, which is like a small, a small town. The food is not great. It's super <laughs> expensive. You're I, it's it's cute because it's Switzerland, right? But the day-to-day, when you have to work from like 8 to 10 every day and you can't get a decent bite to eat, it's kind of frustrating. Were they? Hey, but uh, you got all the swag, man. Yeah, <laughs> all the, I know. That kind of made up for it, to be honest. That's like That's... half of the reason why I'm going to miss Basel is the swag. <laughs> I, it's I'm so... shameless with it. <laughs> That's funny because like, I, I don't know, you I, you say Switzerland and you think about the watches, you think about the Swiss Alps and the luxurious skiing. So it's weird that they don't have good food. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, S-I-H-H uh, is like the much, it's like super chic, super, mm-hmm. super chic. And they've got like some catering and espresso and all this stuff. So I'm not going to complain about SIHH, but for Basel, it can be a little rough. Yeah. The well, if they, not... if, if they have to reboot, you know, and like invite all these big brands back for free and do something to kind of regain stature, they, you know, maybe they can like fly out some chefs from L.A. and New York as well to, to really get things popping. I wouldn't hold my breath, but yeah, <laughs> that, it could happen. Were, were any of the brands throwing like kind of like big lavish parties at these things? Yeah, there's like a Breitling party that was kind of infamous, but they actually had had dropped out of Bottle World as well in 2019. So that's a thing of the past. But that was the famous one. That's the one that everyone talks about. Yeah. Were, were they bringing in like celebs? Like, you know, you, you always see the, the spokespeople for the various watch brands. Are, yeah. Are they kind of bringing them yeah. into these shows as well? I think Swiss Beats performed at one when I was there, but I didn't make the party because I had just gotten in and was completely fried after yeah. like they, a 15 they put, hour That's flight. how Swiss Beats... 
That's how he has that uh, dope ass house that we covered the other day, Barrett. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's getting flown flown out to these watch shows. <laughs> That's where the real money's at. That's where the money's at. <laughs> um, Bilal, what about like the sporting connection to the watches? You ever get to go to? Sorry, I'm, I'm something kind of fuzzed out there. I think uh, I just lost you. Yeah. No, we're we're back. We're back. Um, but like F one, you know, I know Tag is has like a uh-huh. some type of big connection there, and and obviously Rolex is big on like the golf and tennis scene. Do you ever get yeah. to kind of like mix it up in at those types of events? Yeah, yeah. I went to the Monaco Grand Prix in 2017. That was Ooh. insane. That it, it was on a yacht. As that, that just everything sounds there. like yeah, that's bucket list stuff right there. It 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 really was. The race, no one cares about. And it's also <laughs> super slow, actually, because if you look at the streets yeah. there, it's a lot of tight curves mm-hmm. and narrow roads. So yeah. the cars are actually going kind of slow. But, I mean, it's a party. You know? mm-hmm. It's like celebrity, like the something of a Middle Eastern country's yacht was coming in and it looked like an like oil tanker it was the <laughs> biggest boat i have ever seen in my oh life my god and i was just like holy shit that's absurd like, it, it's like that kind of money there it's monaco so you know that's kind of yeah. where all these people hang out but it was an amazing experience and i got to meet chris hemsworth who was a tag ambassador and he was doing some interviews you know yeah uh, yeah super nice guy too he nice was, almost i'm like how that. can you look like that and be so friendly like i don't understand <laughs> he, he really does seem like the total package just as far as like being a genuine nice guy and also ridiculously yeah. handsome um, yeah yeah <laughs> i was like oh i like you a lot like yeah <laughs> he, he was in that f i want was uh, was that uh kind of like in conjunction with that f1 movie he did no it wasn't but Rush. i know what you're talking about i didn't see it but it's good movie cool. um, was it yeah um we talked a little bit about the Richard Mills. Uh, Are they, is, is that something, I mean, uh, what's it like for Rafa and Bubba to wear those on, on court? What's it like for you to try one on? Is it worth uh, all the, 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 you know, the crazy money or is it just really just boil down to to marketing for them? It's both really, to be honest, it's both. It's, you know, it's a collector's item. It's a status symbol. But it's not like a Patek where you have to be on a six-year list to get one. You can walk into a Richard Mille boutique and buy any any model that you want, basically. Yeah, yeah. So it's that kind of thing where it's a status symbol, but not one that people are going to, you know, the, the collectors are, are not particularly big on Richard Mille, really. Yeah. Um, as for athletes these watches weigh nothing mm-hmm. and that's super impressive i put one on at sihh last year and it's 100 grams on your wrist and it's these you know they use carbon fiber and all this stuff and it's cool you know that's all i can say about them is that they're cool <laughs> and their status symbols but at the end of the day it's hard to be like, oh yeah, th- this watch is worth half a million dollars. But mm-hmm. if you've got yeah. a billion dollars and and you want to wear it, then sure. 
Yeah, I, I kind of get what you're saying. It's 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 one of those things. I, I I think that they're cool, but it's like whenever I hear or see them, the the impressive piece of them is always like just the sheer price, right? Like it's just the impressive price, that something exactly costs that much. Yeah. But when I when I look yeah. at those watches, they they don't kind of. I'm not engaged with them. They don't kind of make me lust after them the the, the way that like some Rolexes or some Omegas or the same. You know, some some APs do. So I'm the same. And at the end of the day, it's really about taste. If you've got the means and that's your style, you know, it's worth it, I guess. Right. (laughs) It's not my taste. But, you know, if I had a unlimited budget, I there would probably be a couple of their pieces in my collection. Okay. All right. Yeah. Good to know. Can you um, blog? Can you compare just briefly what the the wrist feel is if you were to have a Patek on one wrist and that Richard Mill on the other? Like, how do you know quality when you put it on? Oh, I don't think I can answer that <laughs> because the Richard Mill, like, if you close your eyes, it weighs nothing. You could like be little... wearing just a bracelet, kind of there, you know, like, yeah. Um, and the thing really is that a lot of, of these new watches that are super expensive are coming in titanium, which is super lightweight. Mm-hmm. My Grand Seiko is in titanium, and it feels like I'm wearing a plastic watch sometimes. Hmm. Um, so quality is kind of hard to gauge by just purely mm-hmm. on the wrist. All right. Well, we are going to jump into some uh, to some further style and trend questions uh, and then jump into kind of a bit of a buyer's guide section of the podcast. But first, let's take a quick break and hear from a sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Bespoke Post. Look, if your mailbox is anything like mine, 90 percent of the time, it's a pretty depressing place. It's uh, political flyers and junk mail and utility bills, even though you signed up for the paperless option. It's pretty much just boring and useless, and it's not it's not fun to go to the mailbox, but, but once a month, I do have a reason to be stoked, and that's because of my box of awesome from Bespoke Post. Right now, I have the Shine box, and I am loving a brand new pair of sunglasses that looks awesome, came with a kick-ass leather case, plus a cleaning cloth. Bespoke Post sends guys only the best stuff every month. And no matter what you're into, Box of Awesome has you covered. From style and grooming goods to barware, cooking tools, outdoor gear. I mean, the list is really endless. They've got something for everybody, truly. Box of Awesome has carefully built collections for every part of your life. I'm looking at some of their boxes right now. The Shine box with the great sunglasses is still available. Uh, There's stuff with wine and cocktails. You know Phil and I have been talking a ton about cocktails. There is a Box of Awesome right now that gets you your Boston shaker and your jigger and your strainer, and it would be perfect for for a new for a new cocktail lover or somebody that's very familiar with what they're doing. There are great looking bags, gym bags, weekenders. I mean, uh, it, all of these are great. There's there's one that has champagne glasses and and the knife that that takes off the cork for your sh- of of the champagne bottle. I mean, the stuff is killer. There's something for everybody here. You're really, really going to like. You're going to be able to find something. Here's how you get started. Take a quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help Box of Awesome and Bespoke Post. It'll help them pick the right Box of Awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories. 
It's free to sign up and you can skip a month or cancel anytime. Each box costs only $45, but has over $70 worth of gear inside. I can vouch for this. The sunglasses that I keep talking about, I wanted to recommend them actually to the cool kids. My box was 45 bucks. I went on, I looked them up. They're over $100 everywhere I could find them, over 100 bucks. So these boxes, they really, really do pack a lot of value in what you get. And that's, I mean, that's just part of why this is so awesome. Not only is it $45, but on top of that, get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code CLUBCOOL at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com. The code is club cool for 20% off your first box. And I mean, it's just, it's like Christmas. Once once a month, you get to give a gift to yourself. This is self-care. It's nice to have something to look forward to in the mailbox, especially during these times. Go to Box of Awesome, check out Bespoke Post. You won't regret it. Club cool for 20% off your first box. All right, and we're back. Bilal, Phil, let's talk a little bit about... Uh, some of the trends that we're seeing in watches right now and, um, and, and answer some of the style questions that we got. Uh, Bilal, I'll start with you. What's kind of, what are you seeing? What's, what, what's the hot style right now for 2020 that, that any number of luxury manufacturers are kind of putting out? What are people, what are people craving right now? Oh, let's see. I think what's happening right now, uh, travel watches are kind of hot, you know, a GMT, a dual time zone, though they're kind of like, if you look on Instagram and the forums and just what people are talking about, though, like that's kind of the hot complication right now. Okay. Um, I think because people have learned that it's kind of the only practical complication that you, that you, that you can have on a watch that, you know, if you travel, it actually is super helpful. It's not like a chronograph, like, you don't like who's going to use a stopwatch on their wrist ever? No one. Yeah. Wait, you so you mean that uh, I think you mean practical that a moon, complications. A, um, yeah. Yeah. So what a, a, moon, a, phase. a moon phase is that's not going to do anything for me? Is, yeah. Apparently not. <laughs> apparently it's not super useful to know the phases of the moon offhand uh. are not super important to know. <laughs> um, I think size has kind of scaled down a little bit. Um, you're seeing smaller pieces from all the brands now, even from like IWC Breitling is scaling down to like the 42 to 43 zone when they used to be at like 45. Yeah. I, I do feel like maybe five years ago or, or somewhere in that range, I feel like yeah. big kind of sporty watches were really chunky, big invo- watches. Yeah. 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 And I hated those that. I, feel, I hated me that. too. Me too. It's terrible. Yeah. So I think size is scaling down. That's the big overall trend that I'd say. Okay. What, what's, and you mentioned Breitling, Breitling being in that kind of 42, 43 zone, which is still not small. What's kind of it's like the biggest? Yeah. yeah. So is, is the wheelhouse kind of like right there in that 38 to 40 millimeter zone? I would say 39 to 42 is okay. the sweet spot. I think you Got can't it. go wrong in that zone. It's not going to be too big for anyone, and it's not going to be too small for anyone. Um, But just as important as that size, the case, you know, how thick it is, Mm -hmm. is a big thing for, you know, it it can be a 42, but if it's like 
15 millimeters thick, right. it's going to wear like a much bigger watch. Yeah, that, that will be huge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, we had a question from, from a listener just about like having small wrists. And uh, I know that, that the two hosts of this podcast, we are small guys. <laughs> we have, we've, we've got small wrists. Um, uh-huh. I, I'll tell you that I think 41, 42 is, is about yeah. as big as I want on my wrist. Um, it, my, my luxury watch is 41 millimeters and it's, I, I preferred it over the 36, the alternative, which was a 36. That's yeah. That's like a little too small. I think for most contemporary men. Yeah. And it just, it, I know that the 36, like may, maybe looked better and a little bit more timeless on my wrist. But I, mm-hmm. I, I just like watch watches. I, I think are are a lot about just how they make you feel, you know yeah. what what vibes with you. And I just liked the 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 bigger size there, um, and I don't feel like it like it overwhelms <clears throat> my wrist. But I would I certainly wouldn't go any bigger than that. So uh, so for right. for those of us I, kind I of in that right. in that you know smaller dude smaller smaller wrists, I think forty one is kind of right there, the maximum that you want to be. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean you just and, gotta. I, that also just comes down to trying it on. And, and like I said, it's just, it's just, it's feel, you know, if you look down and you think that's it, exactly it's, what I was going to say. Yeah. It's really about how it, it works for you. You have to try it on. Don't buy online. Having not tried it on in person. That's like the one rule. Do not buy something that you haven't worn ever. Yeah. It's not yeah. going to work out for you. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good rule, especially for, for any, yeah. yeah like you said, if you've never even, if you've never seen it in person, if you've never put it on your wrist and it's, it's even, especially if you're, you know, it kind of a new buyer or a first time buyer, then, then that's, yeah, that's very risky. Um, as yeah. far as like, you know, if we talked sporty versus formal, you know, like chunky metal bracelets versus a slim leather strap or, or do, do, are people going one way or the other right now? Not really. It's all taste. What has become more prevalent is um easy strap change so you can buy Mm -hmm. a watch now and just push you know that one thing and you can you know have your strap have your bracelet have your you know anything and it can go from a dress to a sports watch pretty quickly and easily so while there's no like trend in terms of that because it's too broad you know sporty or formal it's just going to be there's going to be tons of watches in both those categories but a good value is to is to buy something that's got a quick uh, strap chain system. And are are you seeing that feature from from higher end brands? Yeah, it's kind of been from like Swatch for two hundred bucks to like a Vacheron for twenty thousand bucks. I've seen. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's like as far across as the board. So as as far as that kind of that difference between. You're kind of something that you'd want to dress up with a suit versus something that you're kind of like going jeans with a t-shirt. Um, you know, you you mentioned that you've got several watches in your collection now. If you had to like, you know, kind of pick a few styles that you would say are kind of like the 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 key components of a of a fully fleshed out watch collection, are uh-huh. are there are there certain kind of boxes that you would check there? I don't think so. The way I see it with watches is. It's kind of like cars where you have your needs and then you have your taste. With watches, there's no need. You don't need like an SUV or 
or this or that. So it, it really comes down to your taste. I don't have a dress watch in my collection at all. I don't have anything that's not on a bracelet in my collection. Actually, that's not true. I've got a Seamaster on a strap, but it's definitely not a dress watch. Um, I don't feel beholden to any type of, you know, a balance in a collection because you're never going to feel fulfilled with that. There's not one person I've spoken to who's like, I've got one chronograph, one dress watch, Mm -hmm. one sports watch, and one this, and now I'm done. It's just (laughs) not how it works, really. I got you. Yeah, um... You know, for the for, for the for the guys and, and girls that that are listening to this podcast, most of them are around uh, Phil and, and my age, if if not a little bit younger. And I would just say from my own personal experience, I, I've had some watches with leather straps, you know, fashion watches, accessories more more so than timepieces. And I really didn't find a ton of use for them for me personally, just because we we live in such like a casually styled world now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, 2020, for example, is looking like a year where I might not wear a suit a single time. Ever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's um, exactly right. You know, I'm, it certainly doesn't look like I'm going to get a chance to put on a tuxedo. So 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 for me, like the the kind of thin, daintier, leather strapped <clears throat> dress watches dress watch are less than... are less appealing. Yeah, that's I, that's that's true. I don't like those are the watches that. I wear least and want to cover least because they're they're old fashioned, you know. Yeah, just a three yeah. hands and a leather strap. It's like right. You and know I, what I'm thinking about bringing back is the uh, the pocket watch. Mm. Oh yeah, just like well, if you get your if you yeah. get yourself a uh, a Brooklyn style bar- bartender's vest, then it'll probably come with a little slot for <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, nice. that's what I would like to do. Yeah, nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, for for guys out there, maybe you're in finance or, or or law, and you're you are dressing up more regularly or daily. Then that's it's a different story. You know, one of my one of my good buddies is 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 uh, is more interested in stuff like IWC and like a, a Portuguese um, or or even some of the oh, Vacheron yeah. Constantines with with leather straps. But they they work for him because he is yeah. dressed up so often, so frequently. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. For yeah. office jobs, so, that makes sorry, go ahead, sense. Like if you're in finance, right. then you're definitely going to want to wear something not like a chunky sports watch for sure. Yeah. Um, we, we, you know, so, so assuming that we are kind of sticking with a little bit sportier watches, uh, it, it does seem like stuff like uh, the, the Rolex GMTs are kind of mm-hmm. hot right now. Yeah. And w- w- steel w- sports watches. Steel sports watches. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Tech and Rolex. AP and Vacheron, the their steel sports watches are the watches that you can't get right now. You know, okay. you're paying a fifty percent premium on the secondhand market if you want it now. Yeah, and so uh, these are particularly interesting to me because they they it's almost like like we mentioned uh, a few minutes ago that it's almost like they follow the hype model that we see in clothing and sneakers. And yeah, so exactly. You know, my my question is with, with with sneakers, right? It's like you either get lucky or you have some type of some type of plug, as we say, that can get you something for retail. 
how right. how would you go like one of the big ones right now the the Rolex GMT I, I think the new color this year was called like a Batman. Mm-hmm. It's like black and blue, black I and think. Blue. And, and yeah. there's a root there's a yeah. root beer which is famous as well, and mm-hmm. a Pepsi. I want to say. How do yeah. you how do you get one of those? How do you get one of those for the retail price? You have to be a loyal customer, basically. It's a gift from these brands and the retailers who you have a friendship with to get a GMT. If you're just like some guy and who's like, I've got 10 grand in my pocket and I want to buy a GMT, but I've never bought a watch from here before, they're going to laugh you out of the store, you know? But for the guy (laughs) who, who bought his wife a date just who bought himself a date just, you know, not the hot watches, but like the two tones and the gold watches and the dress watches. The guy who spends like a hundred grand a year or something there, they're going to be like, okay, we've got six of these kind of GMT watches that we're going to get over the course of the next few months. You can be on the list to get one of them. Okay. That's and basically that, your best bet at getting one of those. Is is that is directly... Is that like a guy that's shopping at like Bailey Banks and Biddle or like directly through Rolex? They have their retailers. I don't think there is a Rolex boutique that is not owned by a retail partner. Okay. Okay. So you typically go to like, like, you know, there's a store on Main Street or whatever, and they're going to be like the Rolex dealer for that area. Gotcha. Um, If you're, but you know, if you're buying... You know, a used one for twenty five grand, and you know, there's no points for not buying from the retailer, basically. So you have to spend that money at this retailer. So at they this can, retailer, yeah, yeah. So they can know your name, and you know, it's all personal. Yeah. So, so for for a guy, you know, for a guy like me, Phil, what we're gonna pay second hand market price for 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 these hot watches, right? Yeah. Yeah. And 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 what about you? You you've got to be well connected. Can you can you pull some strings and get yourself one for retail? You know, for <laughs> a Rolex GMT, I could. Okay. All right. For a Patek, I could not. Okay. It's wow. funny actually. So, I know the head of PR for Patek. I'm not going to say her name, but Yeah, you don't I have to say anything you don't want to say below. We don't want to get you in trouble. <laughs> that when she dates men, there have been guys who have dated her just so they can get closer to getting a Aquanaut at the retail price. So it's something that she she does not tell them where she works at first because I yeah. I, I figure two or three guys must have been like, oh shit, if I date the head of PR for Patek, maybe I'm that much closer to getting a Nautilus or Aquanaut at retail price. Yeah, I could yeah. probably, I couldn't, I, I don't think she likes me that much to pull that <laughs> string for me. What's retail on those? Um, the Nautilus is, I think, 29 mm-hmm. and the Aquanaut is 19. You can't and get And what are they going Aquanaut, for to get them on the aftermarket? Aquanaut, we're talking 35 to mm-hmm. 50. And the Nautilus, we're talking sixty-five to ninety. That's 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 incredible. It really is. It, it, <laughs> yeah, it's so uh, funny because sorry. it takes what we it takes what we talk about daily, like you know, a pair of Jordans going for five times the markup, and just like puts it on steroids. It's so crazy. <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. it's wild. It's you know, 
Patek is actually kind of irritated by this because, you know, this accounts for maybe 10% of their total watches, maybe even less. Mm -hmm. They make precious metal watches. They make gold and white gold and all this. And they're like, hey, how about you you buy one of these? And people are just like, no, no, I'm going to stay on this list for the Aquanaut as opposed (laughs) to just buying a Calatrava, which costs the same. But as we said, people are not going crazy for a 38 dress watch on a leather strap. People want the kind of sportier watch and people don't want to wear gold anymore. I'm finding it's, it's steel or platinum. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That- it's a real statement to, to, to rock that solid gold uh, Rolex or for that matter, oh, yeah. watch that's just all gold, even the face. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, you know, for- you gotta, you gotta be connected to the old world. To pull that off. Yeah. Yeah. For- for what it's worth, imagine just like sporting it, just walking out yeah. the door with like, all right, just come mug me. Yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> that's true. I mean, in a, in a lot of ways, the, the kind of like the all gold Rolex presidential feels very much yeah. like a celebrity watch, right? A lot, you know, Yeah. like I don't really expect to see that on anybody that's not an athlete or a rapper or a celebrity. Yeah. Or a I got to say, though, I love the president. When uh, I you mean, put that on, you feel like the best version of yourself. So, so I I've put got, that watch on. I'm just like, God, I am the man right now. Like, you just like feel like the shit when you put that watch on. It's just, I, I've got a friend. I mean, a, a friend's dad has the 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 platinum presidential, and I mean, it's uh-huh. the it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Like, it's amazing. And, yeah, and it's heavy. It it's like you feel that weight on your wrist, and you're like, I have made it. Yeah, but you know the, yeah. the gold. The gold one. James Harden is wearing it in his in the the GQ spread that he did with Russell Westbrook a couple months ago, and it's just like you know, it's very. It, it just, it, not that the platinum one is subtle, but the gold one is definitely like it's just conspicuous as can be. Mm-hmm. You know, some some of the like one of my favorite watches right now, or, or at least some of the my favorite looks are the uh, mm-hmm. the the Rolexes that use the Everose. The ever rose gold, oh, like yeah. the two yeah, tone bracelets. Yeah, that's that's their proprietary rose gold, because and I, all I these mean, brands have to good. have their special type of gold. It's it's just rose gold, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. But they, they, they put do, their name on it. They do some ever rose yeah. stuff and like the Datejust, and I I think the Submariner Beautiful. as well, and it's it's gorgeous. Um, it's it's okay. certainly some of my favorite stuff. Uh, the Submariners is is a is a watch that a lot of guys kind of have. Um, like it seems like a popular kind of first choice. Is is that something that people still respect in the watch world? Yeah, you can't go wrong with the Submariner. You know, it's it's such a staple. Um, yeah, but at the same time. It's such a staple. So if you're spending eight grand on your first, you know, really nice watch, do you want to wear the watch that literally when you walk out the door in Los Angeles or in New York <laughs> or in Austin, you know, every third, every third guy is going to be wearing one. That's true. At the bar, yeah. You know, yeah. they're common. And unfortunately, it's the most commonly faked watch, too. So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. among the sea of fakes, it's just like it, it's. It's not special, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, but it doesn't have to be because it's such a classic, yeah. iconic sports watch. It's a watch that is going to be there for you and your kids probably forever. Like that watch is right. indestructible. I, I also think that it goes with a lot. 
just as far as, you know, we, we kind of relate everything to fashion around these parts. And I just think yeah. it pairs really well with pretty much anything. Yeah. If it's if it's the black on black, it can go with anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're going to answer one more kind of style type question here before we jump into to some of the, the buying questions. Um, and this is one that I, I think is is. Re- relevant to a lot of to a lot of our listeners but and, and phil you can jump here jump in here on this one it, is it pretentious to be wearing some type of luxury watch or a rolex or a patek or, or any of these things that we're kind of talking about multiple thousands of dollars is it pretentious to wear these when you're still in your 20s Ooh. um so if you're say an uh, associate at a law firm you can wear a Rolex, sure. But if you're working in media and you're just starting and you're in your 20s or you just got out of college, uh, you don't want to wear a watch that costs more than your whole salary. So, like, if you're a talent <laughs> agent assistant and you're making 32 grand a year, don't wear a watch that costs 60000 <laughs> Yeah, Everyone's probably going to hate you. But totally. A classic Rolex... Steel Rolex, I mean, you know, it could be inherited. That's always got a story and that's fine. But, you know, a gold AP, if you're 22, is going to make you look like a douche for sure. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Phil, what's your take? That's my take on it. I, I'm, I'm... Yeah, the, the first thing that comes to my mind, I always... I always think that it, it has to be inherited. I mean, anybody in their yeah. 20s that's got the cash to go buy uh, a substantial watch like that, yeah. uh, it's pretty rare, I would think. But the last thing you want to do is stunt so hard that it it, 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 it you know, it takes away from, you know, like in, in your 20s, I just don't think that it depends on what you're doing. I think that if you're managing family money or a trust fund, probably not the best idea. I don't know. I mean, do do what you want to do, but. Especially like you said, Bilal, if you're in an entry level position and you just so happen to come into this uh, all gold AP, I'd, I'd I'd save that one for the special occasions. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to embarrass your coworkers. I think that's a good rule. You know, if it's just like I've got money and you don't. I don't think that's the best statement to make in a professional workspace. 100%. Bilal, that's exactly where I was going to go with this question. Um, When we're talking about wearing watches to work, you got to take cues from not only the people that you're working with, your coworkers, but also your boss. You don't like if your boss, if your boss is not wearing, exactly. If your boss is not wearing some fancy watch, you you don't wear a fancy watch. That's you kind of have to take that cue. And at at the same time, like you said, Bilal, you don't want to make your coworkers feel uncomfortable too. So if if you are at a at a company where where you guys are are mostly like entry level, you're not making big bucks, but you somehow have 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 earned or inherited your way into a watch, it it's it's fine, but it's it's potentially going to make other people unco- like uh, not uncomfortable, but it's just like you don't want to give them any ammunition to yeah. To, it's to peacocking think, after to a think, while. To think know? less so of you, like, right? What are you trying t- to prove by wearing a $25,000 watch at a job where that's what everyone's making per year? Yeah, exactly. So so I, I think, you know, if, if, you, if, you're, if you're in that kind of early to mid-20s range and you do, if you've inherited something or, or you do have a lot of family money, uh, 
you know, put it on to go to dinner with your friends. Sure. But yeah. but I I'd keep it out of the office. Um, and then, Phil, you mentioned like that it is rare for for people in their 20s to be able to kind of a- afford these watches. But it, that's another part of it. I mean, like if you're 28 and you started some company and it was a smashing success and you're like and you've earned it, then 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 by all means, like you, you know, you did well and, and you get to wear it because. Yeah, wear that shit because because you got it because you made it um, for for guys in, in, in our age range. You know, like I like. I didn't pay for mine. It was it was more it, it, it's kind of a convoluted story, but it's basically inherited. Um, it, it's a newer watch, but it was kind of uh, bur- it was birth. <laughs> yeah. He robbed some guy. It fell, it fell off. A, it it's fell off. Kind a, of inherited, but it I didn't fell off a it. truck. It fell off a truck, Bilal. Uh, he inherited it from a dude that he saw behind uh, some store. <laughs> it it was it was birthed from the sale of another like uh you know inheritance slash heirloom. So, uh, but still, I don't feel comfortable wearing it outside of like kind of special occasions around friends and family and that type of thing. Like I'm not. Is it gold? It's not. It's it's stainless. It's steel. Okay. It's a it's a date just forty one. Um and okay, nice. yeah. Uh yeah. and it's it's pretty subtle. It's not gold, so it's it, you know it's it's not gaudy by any means. But I you know I'm sure as hell not wearing that to work. With a watch like that, also, it's really about the first time that you scratch it, because <laughs> 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 there's this fear of just like. Yeah. Oh my god! How am I gonna like? I just don't want to scratch it. But then the first time that you do scratch it, then you wear it with a lot more comfort. Okay, yeah. that's fair. Yeah, is that something that you are scared of? Is that first big scratch on it? Yeah, a little uh, bit. Unless it's already scratched. No, it's you got it's them. it's not it's not scratched. I've had it. Let's see. Um, so I I got it when I was thirty, and so I've had it for three okay. three and a half years now. Um, and and you've worn it how often? Um, pre-pandemic, probably once a week. Okay. But it, but I but you know, all, typically only for a few hours at a time, and uh, you know, it's 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 in good condition. I have I've not yeah I have not experienced that first big scratch yet. Right, <laughs> it's gonna happen. Yeah, I'm sure it will. one day you're gonna be like, holy shit! I just smacked this like eight thousand dollar watch in a doorknob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I'm not looking forward to it. But like hey, if it's if like you said, if that kind of like is a is a is an icebreaker of sorts and kind of makes you relax a little bit more then then it's not all bad. Yeah, like my first really fancy watch was this Explorer 2. It's a Rolex. Mm-hmm. And you probably can't see it, but there's just a giant scratch in the bezel. <laughs> and as soon as I did that, I was like really sad for like 10 minutes and then i was like you know what it's it's a scratch it can be polished out if you send yeah. it for servicing they can polish out scratches and all that really? stuff and you, that's good to know yeah it can look like new yeah and it just gives you more leeway to just kind of be like well now i can just wear it yeah it it works yeah um all right so let's let's jump into uh to kind of a buyer's guide here obviously a lot of questions were were kind of in this category so let, let's start out with vintage because Phil, I know that's something that you've been interested in is, is finding like a vintage uh, Rolex or luxury watch. And there were, there were plenty of questions about buying vintage. Um, but well, what, what are the best re- like what's the best starting point for, for okay. finding vintage pieces like that? Okay. Well, 
So first, I want to go back for a second and say, are you looking for a vintage watch because that's the style that you love? Or is it the cheapest way to get into a brand? You know, so like with Rolex, you know, oftentimes the cheapest Rolex that you can find is going to be a Air King from the 70s or 80s. Um, It's tempting, but I personally, I've never bought a vintage watch. Um, There's a lot of complications that can happen with these, especially involving original parts. A lot of them have been fixed by someone that wasn't a Rolex, you know, like a authorized retailer. Like it was sent to like, you know, some guy who your mom knows or something and they use parts that are non-Rolex and it's really hard to establish like the provenance of a vintage watch unless it's being sold by like, you know, a vintage watch expert. And sure. they tend to be quite expensive. Um, that's just the one thing that I wanted to say as a preamble to vintage. Okay. For me, uh, Bilal, I think that the biggest appeal is I like the look overall of a lot of those. Yeah. And I know that they were probably mass produced at their during their heyday, but um I always like which like, one do you like? I, I I couldn't tell you the name, it's but just I like, broad. yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's it, anything with a either a, a light silver or a white face or even like a like a uh some sort of green tone I like. Mm-hmm. Just because those go with a lot. And, and Phil, Phil, you've also been interested in the ones that you can put on like a like a cloth or ribbon strap too, right? Yeah, yeah, or, or even a leather strap. Yeah. Something that right. is different than the run. The, the biggest thing for me with you know, I own a shit ton of vintage shirts and stuff, and it's just yeah. because they're different, and not everybody's going to have them. And I feel like that is uh, a lot of the times. And correct me if I'm wrong. That, that is the case with a lot of these vintage Rolexes. Is that you can find something that's not going to be on a lot of wrists. Yeah, that's true. Um, with the vintage. Um, you know, you really want to make sure that the person that you are buying from is a reputable seller. That's really the beginning. Like, like eBay is super risky sometimes because you're not entirely sure who the seller is. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a lot of these secondhand sites, like if you go on Chrono24, that's probably the source that I'd say that is the first stop for you. Um, they are They amalgamate all these, all secondhand listings, basically, and they also authorize them. So, you know, if someone has a bad reputation, they are filtered out. So that's Chrono24, and I'm not being paid by them. They actually are just (laughs) the best source for this kind of thing. Uh, But know full well that when you go into buying a vintage watch, the maintenance can be super expensive Mm because, you know, you have to find those parts. So if you're talking about a serial that was made from 72 to, to 76, those hands were only made for those four years. So you're gonna, it could be a kind of a pain to find those, but I'm not trying to be a wet towel on your search for vintage, but just know that it, it's, it's got, it's got some stress factors that always yeah. have made me kind of like step back for a second it's a more risky investment, basically, is what you're it saying. Is. I mean, if you're going to shell out six to $10,000 or whatever, yeah. that's like yeah. with a vintage car. I mean, it's exactly some, of, it. some vintage cars are just incredible. You know, they're nostalgic. 
Yeah. But buyer beware that you're going to shell out some money for maintenance. While you might not pay for the new Rolex price up front, throughout the years of maintenance, um, you might end up spending more. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So if if you find something that you know that you love and it's it's a uh, it's your city's local boutique yeah. or there's something on eBay. Are there any are, are there things in particular that you look for that you want to like make sure are included with vintage watch? The papers. Okay. Always have papers. Um sometimes they've there are people who have like the documentation from all the servicing that it's gotten done. You know, yep. there are people who are super thorough that have got like, you know, I got this work done in ninety six, I got this done in two thousand two. Here's all the papers that went with that original part. There's a, a lot of you know, evidence that someone can have for a vintage watch, which is good, actually. Um, so I would look out for papers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Authentication. That's what you want to see. Always. Don't buy a vintage watch w- with no papers unless you're getting a really good deal. And the person who's selling it to you is someone who you can actually get in touch with after you have purchased it. And it isn't someone who's going to vanish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and for those that are kind of more interested in vintage because they think it's a, a more accessible way into the market, one thing that I would just add is that there are a lot of jewelry dealers. I'm sure there are, are one in pretty much any town you're in that that do deal in like secondhand watches. Always. Yeah. There's going to be those places that have like Omegas and Rolexes like in a corner somewhere. Yeah. And um, and, and same thing. Like, obviously, you, you, you want to buy from from somebody that you trust and, and feels reputable and the the timepiece has all of its authenticity and paperwork behind it but that that's that is what i have found just in my like search is is kind of the best way to to find a, you know a deal quote unquote yeah that's absolutely right yeah um let's see what else do we have here let's let's jump into some price categories and maybe talk about some brands that uh that that people are less familiar with we all know rolex and breitling and and omega um you know kind of in the in the in the very entry level category or one thing that we should just kind of say up front below when 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 we talk about a blog to watch and kind of this luxury watch market i think it's kind of important to note that when 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 you talk about entry level you're really talking like under five thousand dollars right yeah three or five is typically like Entry level is what's considered. So that that's still you know that's that's it's very still, expensive. It's still a hefty a lot price tag, especially especially for 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 um you know for for young people. Um, so let, let's take it down one step from there. Is there any is there anything out there that you specifically recommend that's more in like the five hundred dollar tier? Yeah, um, I think if you're looking for a automatic watch, not quartz, um. And can can you just watch? Can you help yeah. us with the difference between that? A quartz is yeah. a bat is a battery, right? It's a battery watch, yeah. And, and aut- there are high end quartz watches. I own one that costs about four about four grand. It's a Grand Seiko. They make their quartz watches are sometimes way nicer than automatic watches. Mm-hmm. It's, it's wild, but there's a lot of shitty quartz out there. Yeah, and okay. it's got a stigma, and I get it. Uh, so for 500 bucks, uh, the Swatch System 51, it's 150 bucks and it's a mechanical watch. Okay. Uh, it is, it's super nice. I've seen people who own Pateks, they wear this watch cause it's just such a cool 
It's such a nice piece. It's kind of a iconic modern look. I think it was introduced in like 2015 or something, and they've made tons of these. There's so many different like flavors of mm-hmm. of uh, Swatch 51, and I mean 150 bucks. Like it's nothing. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's also Spinnaker. This is a brand that's kind of new. Um, they make like vintage inspired mechanical pieces that look and feel like they're 900 bucks, but they're actually like 300. Hmm. I would look at that. If you're looking for like the vintage vibe, something like unusual, that's not a Casio, a Timex, a Seiko. Mm -hmm. I would look at Spinnaker. There's Undone. Um, They do customization watches. So you can pick and choose the dial color, the hands, the bracelet, the case. And they're really nice quality, like impressively nice. Um, they, I think you can get one of these for in the 300 range as well. And, you know, you can make it look like the watch that you want, which is really cool. I love Undone. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Undone is very cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um, See, these are brands that I, that I, that I am unfamiliar with. So I'm, I'm learning yeah. a lot here as well. I'm about to go do some shopping. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I, I think a little bit more, maybe in like the $600 range, Christopher Ward. They're okay. based out of London. Um, they, they're they kind of like a watch nerd hipster brand, kind of, like where you'll see a lot of like the watch snobs when they talk about like affordable watches. Christopher Ward's always on that list because they make some really cool watches for not a lot of money. And they're really, really nice. Yes. I'm a big fan of Christopher Ward. So uh, one of our listeners actually asked specifically about uh, okay. about his own Christopher Ward. Uh, since we're oh. here on the on the topic, he, he is he's looking for strap replacements for it. Are, are there any okay. are, are there any um, like kind of I guess what you'd call aftermarket strap brands that you're that you're particularly fond of or, or that you think make good product? Uh, the strap, there's unlimited strap yeah. brands out there. And the ones that I'm fond of are kind of expensive and I'm more of a bracelet guy. So okay. I can't particularly speak to that. Sure. If he wants to send me a note, I can kind of. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I'll, I, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll do my best to, to get more specific there. Um, yeah. but, uh, okay. So yeah, that's, that's a lot of good. And Seiko, always Seiko. Um, you know, the SRP 777, that's, a. $490 watch and that's a watch that it's a submariner for all intents and purposes mm-hmm. in quality it's not an $8,000 watch at all but it is it is the best you can do for $500 like okay and that's and it's, it's not a quartz no mechanical okay. the Seiko SRP777 they've also got the and all their names are a bunch of letters and numbers, <laughs> which is so Japanese of them. So it's like the SRP B51 uh-huh. is a really cool one. Uh, Seiko's got dozens of watches that cost like 450 bucks that are incredible. What, what's the what's the right place to shop for Seiko? I, I feel like they're available on Amazon, but that kind of freaks Seiko me out a little USA. bit. SeikoUSA.com. Okay. I think SeikoUSA.com is their website that you can go to the e-commerce page on mm-hmm. but there's something there's something about japanese brands 
where like Seiko has got like four different websites. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. SeikoWatches.com, SeikoUSA.com, <laughs> SeikoLux is the new one.com. Like, I don't know what is the actual site. And I work in watch media. And sometimes I'm like, where do we link back to? Which of these six websites are we actually going to link back to now? <laughs> like, I don't know. Huh. Uh, but I would, I would buy it from Seiko if I could. Yeah. yeah. That seems like the safest play. Yeah. So let, let's jump into that kind of the jump up to the rather that uh, that that entry level luxury yeah. area, three to five thousand um, dollars. You know, I, I do feel like we mentioned this one a minute ago, but the, the Rolex Air King definitely gets tossed around a lot as that kind uh-huh. of like entry level Rolex. Um, I, I really like the look of the Air King for what it's worth. My my biggest issue is uh, when I wear a watch, I really, really, really like to have the uh, the date dial on it. I like to be able to look down and see, you know, oh, it's the 27th or whatever. Mm-hmm. The Air King doesn't have any complications. So, um, you know, it's very it's simple. It's basic, but it, it looks nice. Are, are there any kind of what else is out there outside of of Rolex that um, that's kind of like good, good bang for buck or that you just really love? <laughs> I love when somebody freezes like that. Mike, we've uh we've got an issue. Uh oh. Glitch in the matrix. <laughs> uh Barrett, I, I don't think we'll run this on, but I'm gonna have to jump out at like uh three. Oh yeah, we're not going that long. We're, okay. we're, if, we're if we do no no worries, I'll just hop out. We're close to wrapping up. Yeah. Okay, good good. Thank you. I appreciate that. I just got Lol. kicked off the meeting for a second. Uh oh how that happened. All good. Sorry about that. No worries. Um, what what was the last thing? Did you hear me talking about the Air King? Yeah, that's the last thing I heard was you starting to talk about the Air King. Okay, so let's just let's we'll just rewind back to um, yeah. right where we jumped into like the three thousand to five thousand dollar range. Yeah, Mike, are we you good to go with us? Okay, so let's uh, let's go ahead and jump up to that that kind of next tier that we kind of spoke to the the entry level luxury three to five thousand um, dollars. You know, I know as as far as the Rolex goes, the the Air King feels like one that gets tossed around and and mentioned pretty frequently. Um, I, I like the way the Air King looks a lot. It's very subtle. It's very basic. Uh, for me personally, I'm I'm very when I when I wear a watch, like the one complication, the one feature that I really really like having is a is the uh, is the number is the date on there. I just yeah. like being able to look down and and see that it is the uh, the seventh or whatever. And yeah. the Air King, no complications, obviously. So uh, you know, it's that... funny that you say that because the date and no date fight is so hot within like the watch 
community. Really? really? It's, it, it is like, it's been like since my first day being like a watch enthusiast <laughs> in, in every comment section. I love it, but it's got a date. Most people tend to not like the date window. Yeah, it's like, that's it's interesting. Like I like it. Um, I understand. Like, it's actually practical. Right. Like the, that's like a big thing. Um, Air King does not have one. Yeah. Uh, so it's like a deal breaker for you. Is that what you It's it's um, man, I don't want to say yes, it's a deal breaker. But yes, it is kind of a deal breaker. Um, and, and, and I like you said, I, I, I guess I get that. Like if you are a true purist and you're all about like the mechanics of the watch, right. And all, and, and I know a lot of people that are, that are big collectors and very into the watch world, um, you are very keen on like how accurate a piece is. Mm-hmm. And I guess maybe complications can kind of like throw a wrench in that. Um, it's a symmetry thing for most people. Okay. They're just like, I don't want the dial to have that on there because I like a clean symmetrical dial. Yeah. Um, um but but for me, like it's been even on stuff like when I've just been kind of picking up accessories. Uh, Phil and I are big fans of uh, of Timex pieces, and uh, oh, yeah. o- over the years, I've really liked some of their collaborations with J Crew, and mm-hmm. like the ones, that, yeah, <laughs> the ones <laughs> the ones that I have bought versus not bought. Uh, it comes down to like the date, and I, I think part of that for me is the fact that we have our phones now, right? And so if if all I care about is lo- is looking down to see the time, yeah, I've got the phone. So I there's something about there's something that feels very functional and um just like beneficial about looking down to be able to see both of those things very quickly. Absolutely. Yeah. Um yeah. So that, that's my one that's my one knock against the Air King. But but what else is out there kind of in that entry level range? Is there anything that yeah. that's great bang for buck or that you just particularly love? This range is kind of like you can kind of get any brand now. Like if you're spending up to five, then you're really like. And again, don't buy a new watch if you don't have to. Buy it secondhand always. Buy on the gray market <laughs> um, because I mean, like, no watch is gonna sell for what it's actually priced unless it's like a Rolex or Bad Deck. But you know. In this $5,000 range, you can kind of, you know, IWC is in your territory, Omega, Breitling, Panerai, all the big names. You can kind of start to get into their entry levels stuff in this range. So, it like, at this point, you can kind of be like, I'm going to get, you know, a prestige, like, Swiss brand. I'm going to get that, that name. And you kind of get the, op- like, option of a few different pieces as opposed to like air king is your only choice here Mm. so i would recommend maybe opening the uh options that you have and not sticking to just one brand before you try all of them because you can get a lot of cool watches for like the three to five thousand dollar range from most of like that like mid-tier and by mid-tier i mean like omega and Panerai and Right. Yeah. Great. Seeing all those things. great watch brands for sure. Um, yeah. When when we're able to 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 get back out there in the world, do, it, is Benbridge and Bailey Banks and Biddle and and these kind of retailers is that the best place to go try on a bunch of stuff? Are those are those like yeah. the right places? Try them on anywhere that you can get your hands on them. I would buy them from. Actually, there's not one place that I would buy them from. Get 
the best deal possible from a reputable seller. You, you mentioned uh, the gray market. What 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 do you mean by that? Um, secondary market online. You know, people like there's a lot of these. Like there's a lot of um, like say Omegas out there that didn't sell, and there's inventory that's new, and these retailers get their hands on it and they price it as secondhand, but it's actually a new old stock. Okay. Because okay. these because you know yeah in recent years these brands have started to cut down on how much they they produce mm-hmm. but in the mid 2015s production was out of control and there's a lot of old stock left like gotcha. tons of it yeah so you know don't go to the store and buy a eight thousand dollar omega speedmaster when you could probably get one for five okay that's not been worn uh, i know you uh, you lived in new york before you lived in la right yeah yeah uh, you know when you walk down the uh, the diamond district and it's just mm-hmm. like just jeweler after jeweler after jeweler. Yeah. Are, yeah. One, are those places all reputable sources for luxury watches? Two, can you get good deals there? <laughs> uh, I feel like maybe before the internet became such a thing, okay. that, that might have been the place to go to get like a deal on them. But now I can't imagine getting a deal there that is better than something that you'd find online, really. Okay. Um, but I can't speak to any personal experience. Gotcha. Um, it's just always yeah. fun that, you know, you kind of picture like just walking down and like every window front is just, yeah. you know, a million dollars worth of watches basically sitting. That's Hong Kong, basically. <laughs> if you go to Hong Kong, it's ridiculous. You'll see Pateks, Rolexes, Richard Meals, Cartier, uh-huh. everything just hanging at the window with like some plastic wrap on them. Hong Kong was the place where you would go to get some really good deals on watches. It was like the global hub of like great secondhand deals. Hmm. Um, I unfortunately hadn't been there when this was the case. Yeah. I went in uh, summer of 2018 and, you know, everyone can find out how much a watch should sell for, including the people who sell them. Right. And it's, it's, I found that it's really hard to get a deal. Like, unless you're buying it from, like, an individual who, you know, has to sell for some reason, I wouldn't go into to buying any watch with the intention that, like, I'm going to get a great price on this. Unless gotcha. it's, like, yeah, you have to be willing to compromise if you want that deal because, like, some watches are less valuable because... It's an ugly color, but it's a big compromise to make. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So, so kind of in this entry level, it's best to just kind of look at all the various brands, figure yeah. out this, what you like, figure out what you like, and, and you know, because you can get go try it anything. on, basically. Yeah, you can get a Breitling, you can get an IWC, um, but you can't get like a Rolex. I guess if you really want a Rolex and you're like, I like, this is the watch I want. And I've got five grand. The Explorer is a good option. Mm -hmm. There are some that might, that you might find for that price range. I don't know if it's possible anymore, but a few years ago you you could find some for like four for something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and jump up to kind of that, that next level. 
$10,000, give or take a, a couple there. Um, and now you are obviously kind of in that range with, uh, with the day justs and the submariners, um, mm-hmm. obviously both, uh, iconic watches. Um, but again, like we talked about a little bit ago with the sub, like a lot of people have them too. So, yeah. um, what, what, what else, anything specific in that range that, that, that you find really unique or kind of same, same level of quality, same, uh, chance for appreciation over time mm-hmm. that, that is just kind of worth looking at as well yeah so at this price range this is the price range that i've bought my past few watches for i bought some rolexes and some grand segos mm-hmm. but um this is kind of the toughest bracket because it's a lot of money but you're gonna get way less than you think that you're gonna get <laughs> yeah, grand out there. <laughs> well, yeah like right, when you're right. like damn i just spent nine grand on this watch and it's, it's nice yeah <laughs> It's fine. It's not what I... Uh, like, you're... T- yeah, you can get a Submariner. You can get the Explorer 2. You can get the Datejust. You've got some Rolex options in that sub $10,000 range. The GMT, the Daytona, um, it's not, that's not going to happen. Right. Still, Although they're uh, yeah. 13, 14, yep. 17, 18. Um Grand Seiko is a brand that I think appreciate is a word that I don't want to say that I just did. Uh, (laughs) But if there's a brand that's undervalued, I would say it's Grand Seiko Mm -hmm. um, because it's still kind of doing like the breakout thing here in the States. Right. Uh, More and more collectors are buying these um, and as such, their prices are going up more. But, you know, they've got a model called the Snowflake. It's it's their staple watch, kind of. And it's getting kind of tough to find. And it's priced, I think, at like fifty five or $6,000. Um, check it out. It's a little bit more than the middle range. But it's, it's one of the few watches out there that aren't everywhere that I could see being a real collector's item in four or five years. Okay. And, and more and, breaking news. And what's the, what's yeah. the name on that one again? It, it, go, it goes by the snowflake. The I forget sno- what snowflake. the, okay. um, it's like S yeah. If you type in grand Seiko snowflake, okay. you'll find it. It's a beautiful watch. I mean, they, they do the stuff with their dials. It's all done by hand. It's incredible. Um, but at this range, you know, you kind of are like, I've gotten to the point where I'm like, okay, I can kind of keep buying a couple of these watches that I I really like. Um, but do I really want to actually sell these? And rather than having a couple of like these $10,000 watches, Mm -hmm. now do I want to step up and get one you know, like a Vacheron overseas, which has been my, that's been like the one watch that I want. Okay. The dual time overseas, but that's 22, 23 grand. Yeah. So you, you can kind of get stuck in that zone of like, you know, every other year I'm going to buy something that costs 10 grand or do I want to get real serious now <laughs> and make that commitment? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the, you know, 
I don't want to be too vague, but again, even at this price range, you're talking about the big names. You know, you're talking about the more expensive pieces from the brands in that the tier that we just talked about. You know, we're talking about the more expensive Omegas, the more expensive IWCs, the more expensive Panerai, um, the you know the independent brands. Those are going to be in that fifteen thousand dollar plus range, maybe even twenty to twenty to twenty five thousand dollar plus range. Um, FP Yorn, that's kind of like the independent brand that's 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 really uh, making waves right now with collectors. I believe that there were a couple of people who bought up all of those watches, and they've now put them on the market again for like. 18 or 19,000 or 12. (laughs) Yeah. So I was really, really thinking about purchasing one of those. And I check two or three months later and they're all twice as expensive Hmm. and it can't be a coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what about, what about like all the, there there are, I feel like there are a lot of brands that don't quite achieve the same level of name recognition as Breitling, Uh Rolex, Tag, um, Patek, but you know, we're talking like Bell and Ross and Baum and Mercier and Oris Longines. Yeah. Like, like, are, are these cheaper. all, these are all those good are watches. The, yeah. Those are great watches for the, let's say, you know, not 500, but not 5,000. Yeah. You know? Like, I guess if you're talking about like the thousand dollar to, to $2,500 ring, mm-hmm. Oris is amazing. Bell and Ross is like 3,500, $4,000. I mean, they, they're all like that huge square shape, mm-hmm. you know, so you have to be into that. It's a particular style. Right. Um, Baum and Mercier make some incredible watches for 1800 bucks. Like, but they're super dressy, mm-hmm. super dressy. So you have to be into that. Um, but for the six to $12,000 range, none of those brands are are making any watches that are going to be priced that much. I think gotcha. Oris, they launched their most expensive watch this past year, and it was seven grand. Okay. And that's like a record price for them. Um, so let's, I, I think we've kind of covered a good number of, of these uh, of these price territories now. So let's rewind it all the way back and tell me what like there there are plenty of of uh, of kind of startups doing watches as well. You know your Jack Masons and your MVMTs, Vincero. Yeah. What's are these? You know I think we kind of talked about like the difference between timepieces and accessories. But but can you speak to yeah. like this like direct to consumer brand of watches that that is that is trying to you know put their name out yeah. there at this point? Yeah, I mean I think you said it kind of perfectly with accessories as opposed to timepieces. You know, these are all, they're all, they're nice. You know, I've handled them. They're nice. We don't really cover these very much because there's not that much for, right. like, for me to say. Um, yeah. Like, so these are typically priced at like 200 bucks, 300 bucks, right? Right. 200 or, or under yeah. usually, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if you ask me, you know, they're basically the same price as Timex. And I would 10 times out of 10 get a Timex. Yeah, or I agree much. for yeah. sure. You know, yeah, like it's there. I, I just feel like it's a marketing 
brand more than a watch brand. Yes. Like MVMT has got a, they've got a distinct marketing look, you know? Yep. Vincero, they've got their own style. But their styles that they've, you know, absorbed from older watch brands, right? Like, it just doesn't seem authentic to me. That's my judgment on these. Again, I'm not talking shit on them as watches because they're nice. But if they're either Timex that you could buy, just go for that. Yeah. Okay, last last kind of question uh, around these things. S- any feelings about smartwatches? Is there anything that, uh, that <laughs> out, outside of Apple Watch that, that is, that's making waves? Honestly, the only thing that a smartwatch and the watches that I've talked about have in common is that they go <laughs> on your wrist. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I yeah. love the Apple Watch. I don't actually own one i used to have one i liked it a lot i just didn't wear it um it was the nike one that they did uh-huh. um this was a couple of years ago it was cool uh, it's you know there are watch nerds out there that relentlessly talk shit on smartwatches. like it really gets them worked up i'm not one of those people but it's a wearable not a watch right yeah yeah um that being said, Apple sold more in Apple watches than the entire Swiss watch industry combined in 2019. Wow. Christ. So, you know, who am yeah. I to, to <laughs> speak that? Like, you know, the people have spoken. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 Uh, but th- there's so many smartwatches out there, to be honest, and they all kind of seem like they're a variant of the same four or five different yeah. watch with like a different, you know. Yeah, you know, I I put this question in here because we did get several questions about them. And and I would just say, look, the, the iPhone is so prevalent that I can't personally imagine wanting anything else than an Apple watch to go with my phone. And they've they've kind of cornered the market in that way. And I it, I, I really like... It's just one of those things where it's like I'll see other smartwatches and maybe they look cool or have some cool functions, but I'm just going to say, yeah, but uh, I just get the Apple Watch. Yeah. So. And then there are guys who who wear both, and you look like an idiot. <laughs> like a, like a, a regular watch and a, a smartwatch. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's something. It's not going to be me. I'll let, I'll leave that that flex yeah. to Bill. That ain't they me. Got one on one wrist and one on the. <laughs> No, I might. It's a little too dorky. Like it's a lot. Yeah, it's like you don't know what you look like to the outside world, do you? Because you would not do that. Yeah. Well, we are just about out of time here today. We've we've uh, we've certainly enjoyed having you on. Thank you for for talking to us about all of these. uh, Just everything watches, man. This has been a a great great hour and a half of watch talk. Phil, do you have any final questions before we let Bilal get out of here? Man, we covered them. Okay. We covered them. That was that was great, Bilal. Uh, to a guy that doesn't know a damn thing about watches, um, you're a hell of a source. And I can assure you that you know in the future we're probably gonna need to have you back on once the, yeah. new, yeah. the new styles hit the market. Definitely, anytime, uh, Bilal. Any uh, any social medias or, or or things that you want to plug before you get out of here? Uh, yeah, I've got a Instagram. It's at b i l a l dot con dot a. It could have been easier for me to make something you know, <laughs> not so long but sounds like a website me on instagram yeah 
Yeah, yeah you. Yeah, um, I've, uh, we we follow you. Halal.com.a. You, you, you post great photos account. of the watches that that you've got there. So um, thank you. And then of course check out a blog to watch. Um, you guys are pumping yeah. out the content still. So a great a great resource to have for sure. Great. All right, Phil. Bilal, thank you so much. That's going to do it for us today here on the Club Cool Podcast. And uh, we will be back next week. See y'all later. Bye.